Good morning. Merry Christmas. You can say that here. It's okay. Turn to the person next to you and say, Merry Christmas. Say, you can say Happy Holidays, but I'm going to answer back, Merry Christmas. (laughs) So I'm really excited to be here today because I love you guys so much. And I feel like the Lord has given me a really specific word. Um, I'm not, I'm not uh, excited about having to make myself vulnerable, but that's kind of what I heard the Lord tell me is that I need to just keep it real. So I'm going to keep it real. You know, there's, there's a lot of different types of teaching and preaching. You can do expository teaching or textual teaching, you know, preaching through line upon line, just right straight through. Um, and then there's topical teaching. And this morning, that's what we're going to do, topical teaching. And our topic is is, uh, joy for this morning. All through December, we're going to do the topic of joy. We had decided that, and we're going to do, today we're going to talk about the purpose, or I mean the promise of joy. Next week, we're going to talk about the pathway to joy. And then on the 18th, we're going to talk about the pronouncement of joy. And... um, As God often does with me, um, right when I make a decision to do a certain thing, (laughs) he lets me go through something to test me in that. So I have decided that I am going to um, preach on prosperity, (laughs) financial prosperity, and I'm willing to take a hit for the team, for, for you guys, and have to, you know, have too much money and not know what to do with it. You know, what a problem, right? I'm just kidding, Roxanne. Okay, good. <laughs> um, but I, I really feel like, uh, I kind of feel like I got a little sidelined because uh, this, this past week was really rough. Just keeping it real. Um, if, you're, if you're a guest here, my husband passed away a little over nine months ago unexpectedly. And our anniversary would have been on Monday. And uh, so Monday was was pretty sweet. I mean, Monday was kind of bittersweet. You know, it was um, just kind of mellow. And it it wasn't overly emotional, I don't think. Um, I had a sweet day. I did all the things Eric would have wanted to do. Um, Worked out and uh, got an eggnog latte to undo everything that happened in the workout. And... (laughs) um, Went to a movie. I used to tell Eric he had uh, 500 movies in his top 10 because he loved movies. So I went to a movie and just kind of did all the things that he would have wanted to do. And then, of course, I had to have a cheeseburger for dinner. <laughs> but it was at Stein Erickson, so, and it was free, so that was good. Um, so that day was pretty sweet, but um, I guess I wasn't prepared for Tuesday. I guess you all stopped praying for me. <laughs> Your fault. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I legitimately had like a like a, a meltdown. I guess is what you'd call it. Um, there's a few people here that got to observe that. I apologize again. <laughs> um, I just lost it, and uh, he died on the 18th of February. And I told my daughter Rebecca, I said it feels like February 19th. It just Everything took me right back, right back. 
And yet, I knew we were going to be talking about joy, so it really forced me to really, really dig deep and find the practical application. Um, how many of you know, I'm kind of ringing here, not that, that's not what I'm asking. Can you hear me ringing? Sleigh bells ring, are you listening? Um, how many times do you think the word joy is found in the Bible? I'm not talking about rejoice or joyful or all of that. Don't Google it. No cheating. Just take a wild guess. How many? Ten. There's our first bid. How many? Uh, that's, that's a very good pastoral guess. No, it's very close. 333. So that's almost enough for one every day. 333 times the Bible talks about joy. So this is like a massive, massive topic to God. Joy. Crazy, huh? Going through this morning process and the Lord puts it on my heart to speak about joy. Kind of feels like a practical joke a little bit, but no, but it's good. And here's the thing. Um, I'm going to ask you guys if you'll pray with me and for me today. I, I really, I don't want it to be about me. I really don't want it to be about me, but I also know that the Bible says, follow me as I follow Christ. So I guess for this particular season in my life, I am hoping to demonstrate to you how to walk through painful times and still have joy. This is supposed to be a message of hope. You know, typically, I'm really lighthearted, and I like to joke around a lot, and um, I like to, you know, keep things kind of, kind of light, and... Uh, over the last nine months, it's been, it's been strange because I'm, it's, you know, I miss laughing. Eric was really funny. I miss just laughing with him. He, he could crack me up like no one else. And so today, would you pray with me? Because I really, I really want to bring this message as from the heart of God. So, Father... Lord, we just quiet our hearts before your throne today. Lord, I just sense your presence in this room. And I thank you for who you are, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you have put this message on my heart, Lord, that, God, the time of Christmas can be such an emotional time for so many people, and I... I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that I would speak as though speaking the very words of God. Lord, I ask that your name would be glorified today, that you would be lifted up. Lord, it would be all about you and all of your promises and how precious and sweet your name is to us. What a beautiful name, the name of Jesus. Open up the hearts here, Lord. I pray for revelation today. I pray that your Holy Spirit would just fill our hearts Lord, that we would go deeper in our walk with you, each and every person in this room, and everybody that's in American Fork, Lord, and the people that are watching online, I pray for depth, depth. Lord, you know the cry of my heart for this church, Lord, that we would grow deep in our walk with you. And so we just lift up your name, Jesus. Amen. Can you turn to the person next to you and say, God is good? Can you tell them? 
for real. <laughs> so um, we're doing this three-part series, as I mentioned, and advancing. Okay, it says here, it says in Luke chapter 1. Now, do you guys know who Elizabeth is? Anybody know who Elizabeth is? John the Baptist, you know the crazy guy that was out in the wilderness eating locusts and wild honey. Like, how would you like that to be for your diet? Oh. So that was John. He was kind of a crazy guy. His mother, Elizabeth, is pregnant with him in this particular scene. And Mary goes to tell her this crazy thing that just happened. Okay, Mary had a visit from an angel who said, oh, yeah, so by the way, um, I know that you're only like around 14 years old and you've never been with a man, but you're pregnant. But don't be afraid. It's, it's okay. So Mary is like, oh, wow. Okay. Okay. May it be unto me, as you have said. And she's kind of like, she kind of works through the whole process. And, she's, and at this point, she's excited. So she's going to tell her cousin. And it says, and Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women. Now, let's go back again. She's around 14 She's got a boyfriend, her betrothed, and she's pregnant. Now, how many of you would feel blessed at that moment in the midst of that? But Elizabeth says, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of, now get this, my Lord should visit me. This is a little baby in the womb. And Elizabeth, who is very prophetic, she and her husband were both prophetic. She says, my Lord. It's a baby in utero. That's so cool. She recognizes and it says, when I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> and it goes on. It says, you are blessed. Okay, you are blessed. Anytime the Bible says somebody's going to be blessed, you should really pay attention. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. This is my prayer for you this morning that you would be blessed and that you would believe that the Lord is going to do what he said because his promise for his children, his promise for those who name the name of Jesus, his promise for those who have surrendered and received the forgiveness, his promise for us is that we will have joy. Joy. Can you say that? Say it like you mean it. Come on. <laughs> How many of you want to be blessed? Some of you don't? Are you too tired to raise your hand? Seriously? How many of you want to have joy? Yeah. Okay, count me in. Okay. It says, you're blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. And Mary responded, oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Despite the circumstances, despite all of her questions, despite everything she was going through, I'm sure the townspeople had a heyday with that. I'm sure they were all gossiping about her. 
you know, here, hmm, 14 years old. Oh, yeah, sure, she's a virgin, right? But yet she believes God. She puts her focus there. And you know, the thing is that there's that song, that Christmas song, Oh, Tidings of Comfort and Joy. Comfort and Joy. Oh, Tidings of Comfort and Joy. That has taken on a whole new meaning for me this year. Comfort and joy. Luke chapter 2. Can you play this little clip, guys? That's what Christmas is all about. Good tidings of great joy. It says, I'm going to bring you good news. Which, it says, they, the shepherds, were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, I bring you good news that will bring great joy, okay? Don't gloss over that. What is he bringing? Wait, back it up. He's bringing what? Good news, a.k.a. the gospel, that will bring what? To whom? How many people? All people. Raise your hand if you're included in that. And if you're too tired, then I, I'm so sorry. We'll bring cots in and have them put in the back. It says good tidings, good news of great joy that will be for all people. Now, if you know Jesus, if Jesus is your Lord, if you have surrendered to him and he has become your God and your Savior, there will be evidence of that. And it says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Number one, love. Okay, that's a given, right? That's the first and greatest commandment, that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we should love others as we love ourselves. Okay, that's number one. Number two, what is number two? Joy. Do you think that's a coincidence? Love, joy. This is such a big deal to God, and it's, and it's evidence that we know him. I said uh, during first service, there should be no such thing as the term grumpy Christian. If you are a Christian, you should not be grumpy. I'm not saying you can't have bad days. I was a mess on Tuesday, okay? I was not that joyful. But I'm going to explain to you what joy truly is based on what the Bible says and what God has to say about it. You know, there are three times in our lives where joy seems most elusive, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, Joy when we suffer, joy when we have sorrow, and joy when we're stressed out. And so, you know, the Bible has given us so much evidence that it is possible to have joy, even in the midst of these hardships. So I'm I'm trying to come up with this. uh, I I want something to kind of go viral. I I have this new concept that I'm hoping it kind of will catch on. And so I'm hoping that... Okay. Can you guys say it? Make Christmas great again. You should probably hashtag that or something. I have a feeling. I think it's going to catch on. But I mean that. I mean, not, you know, tongue-in-cheek, but for real. Can we focus on the reality of Christmas this year? 
and not get so messed up doing all the peripherals and the things that don't really matter and the things that aren't eternal. You are not promised next Christmas with your family. Make sure you don't miss out this year because you're so busy doing everything, making cookies or sending out Christmas cards or decorating or whatever. Don't miss it. I beg you, focus on what's really mattering in your life right now. My kids wanted to put up the Christmas lights today, tonight, and I told them if they didn't have it up tonight, I was just going to get one of those twenty-nine ninety-five laser things that just lights up the whole house. That's done. <laughs> I don't think it's tacky, but anyway. Uh, okay, so um, number one. We're going to talk about joy in the midst of suffering. Read with me out loud, please. James chapter 1. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. This is jam-packed full of so much. I could talk about this for a very long time, but let me just suffice it to say, consider it joy when you have hardship. Consider the opportunity for you to experience joy. And I'm going to explain later on how we can really find that kind of joy. But think about this situation. Think about Mary. Think about what Mary was going through. And yet it said, my soul rejoices. She had joy. Think about Elizabeth talking to her cousin. You know, most of us would panic at that point. Okay, so let's see. Why don't we, um, let's uh, send you off to uh, like Tel Aviv or somewhere. Let's, you know, let's send you away. But no, Elizabeth's like, this is the Lord. This is the Lord. And can I say to you, if you know the Lord and you're going through a trial and a hardship and sorrow and stress, God is still not freaking out. He is okay with you. And he knows your circumstances. And yet his promise, oh, I'm spitting. His promise is to be glorified. What does glorified mean? Anybody know? Tell me if you know what glorified being glorified means. Anybody? Okay, that's good. Given value. What being glorified means is just showing how he is. To glorify God means to be able to communicate what he's like. That is what our job is on this earth, is to glorify God. So even when we're having trials and sorrow and suffering and stress, we can still glorify God, even in the midst of it. Think about Mary. Think about the shepherds. They were kind of freaking out. Think about Israel at the time. Now, Jesus was the Messiah. He was the Savior. Now, this has been talked about all through the Old Testament. They were looking forward to the coming of the Messiah, but it had been 400 years since they had heard anything from God. I mean, 400 years is a very long time from Malachi 
to Matthew. If you're Italian, they say Malachi. But from Malachi to Matthew, it's a 400-year span of time. They hadn't heard anything from God. And then these angels are coming to these shepherds, and these shepherds are just out there doing their job. And all of a sudden, think about them. Think about how scary that would be. Think about Joseph, what Joseph was going through. Talk about stress. Your girlfriend's the talk of the town, Joe. You know she's pregnant, right? Oh, it's not yours. Sure, it's not yours, Joseph. I mean, think about it. This is the reality of it. This isn't just a made-up story. This really happened in history. Joseph was engaged to her, and she turns up pregnant, and he's pretty sure he's not the dad. Right? That would be stressful. Super stressful. Think about the townspeople. They're like, well, we thought Mary was a good girl. How disappointing. Right? Mary's parents, think about what they were going through. I mean, parents, are you with me here? Think about that. It says in Proverbs 14.10, it says, Each heart knows its own bitterness, and no one else can fully share in its joy. When you go through suffering and sorrow and hardship and stress and trials, I will just tell you right now, every road is a dead end except the road to the Lord. He is the only one who can bring you comfort. And I can speak this from experience. No one else knows what you're going through. No one else understands. No one else knows the depth of your pain. And no one else can share in the things that cause you great joy. I mean, we can kind of relate to, to a certain extent. But the Lord is the only one that can connect with you. And, you know, ever since Eric died, I mean, the scripture that says the, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. That has been my daily bread. He is near to the brokenhearted. A.W. Tozer says, if God has singled you out to be a special object of his grace, you may expect him to honor you with stricter judgment, stricter discipline, I'm sorry, and greater suffering than less favored ones called upon to endure. If God sets out to make you an unusual Christian, he is not likely to be as gentle as he is usually pictured by the popular teachers. A sculptor does not use a manicure to set, set to reduce the rude, unshapely marble to a thing of beauty. The saw, the hammer, and the chisel are cruel tools. But without them, the rough stone must remain forever formless and unbeautiful. To do his supreme work of grace within you, he will take from your heart everything you love. Everything you trust in will go from you. Piles of ashes will lie where your most precious treasures used to be. I heard Chuck Swindoll say, no great person has ever become great without great suffering. And yet, we hate it. 
we fight it. We question it. We say, Lord, what did I do wrong? Lord, are you punishing me? We ask him to take it away. We say, God, I don't deserve this. But who has known the mind of the Lord that he might instruct him? His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are his thoughts higher than our thoughts and his ways higher than our ways. Isaiah 49, 13 says, Sing for joy, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on them in their suffering. 1 Peter 1, 6, Be truly glad, for there is wonderful joy ahead even though you must endure many trials for a little while. 1 Peter 4.13 Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. 1 Thessalonians 1.6 Oh, the, the one back here, 1, um, 1 Peter 4.3 Preceding this, it's, hey, don't be surprised at the painful trials you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. It says, don't be surprised. Instead. Turn to the person next to you and say, instead. Be glad. 1 Thessalonians 1, 6, So you receive the message with joy from the Holy Spirit in spite of the severe suffering it brought you. In this way, you imitated both us and the Lord. Are you convinced through these scriptures that it is possible, even in the midst of suffering, to have joy? Are you convinced? Are you in? Anybody in? Want to be part of that club, the joy club? Better than the glee club, I guess. I, I, just, I, I just know that over the last nine months, I have had a new understanding of what it means to have joy, even in the midst of my sorrow. It says in Psalm 30, 15, we can, we can have joy in the midst of suffering. Did I go too far? Yes, I did. Okay. Psalm 35 says, weeping may last through the night, but what comes in the morning? What comes in the morning? Joy. What comes in the morning? Joy. joy comes with the morning. I, you have turned my morning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy. This is where I am right now. I'm not quite at the dancing part. But this week... In the midst of, I, I called it my grief hangover. You know, he died the 18th and I felt like it was the 19th of February. But for the very first time since he died, I was able to thank him for the gift of widowhood. To really thank him. About the first, I think, seven months or so, um, I think I was just dealing with trauma. He, he died unexpectedly, and, and there was just so much trauma surrounding it. 
But then I started to really sense the Lord showing me purpose, showing me his plan, showing me that he is a God of hope and hope does not disappoint us. And I believe that he's beginning to do something really deep in me and I really recognize even though um, I didn't want Eric to die. But one day, I was listening to the Bible. Thank you, Woody. Sorry. Um, I was listening to the Bible, and that scripture said, to live for me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And I saw it. I was like, he gained. He gained when he died. And I'm so happy for him. But for me, to live is Christ. You know, there have been days I've wanted to just pull the covers up over my head and not ever come out. But for me, to live is Christ. Job 29, 13 said, I helped those without hope, and they blessed me, and I caused the widow's hearts to sing for joy. Jeremiah 31, 13, I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and exchange their sorrow for rejoicing. For I have given rest to the weary and joy to the sorrowing. Psalm 126, 5, those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. Isaiah 61, 3, to all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyful blessing instead of mourning. Festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. Instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double portion of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land. And everlasting joy will be yours. Amen. This is good news. There is purpose. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your pain is. I don't know if you're grieving the loss of a loved one. I don't know if you're going through bankruptcy. I don't know if you have cancer. I don't know if your marriage is falling apart. I don't know what your trials are, what your sorrow is, what your suffering is. But I do know that God has a purpose in it. I know that God has a plan. And that he is not leaving you. He is not punishing you. He is not ticked off at you like, I'm going to get you. That is not the heart of God. That is not the heart of God. And, you know, I was talking with a friend this week. The Bible does say in Hebrews 12, he disciplines those he loves. It says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time. It's painful. Later on, however, it brings a harvest of righteousness, which just means making having things be right righteousness and peace to those who are trained by it i don't want to go through what i'm going through if i don't have any hope i could not go through what i'm going through if i didn't really believe that god was going to be glorified in my life the price is too high and for you whatever you're going through turn your focus 
to him. You know when the disciples were in the boat and Jesus was asleep and they were freaking out. The sea is, I mean, it said it was a, you know, tumultuous waves and they were freaking out. All of this. And the, and the disciples were focusing on that. They were freaking out because they were looking at the storm. Stop looking at the storm. Okay? Stop looking at the storm. Stop looking at the waves that are crashing around you. And instead, look to the only one who can deliver you. Look to the only one who can give you purpose and give you hope and show you everything that you're going through is for his glory, even when we don't understand it. 2 Corinthians 6 says, Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. It's possible. The last section we're going to cover is joy in the midst of stress. Anybody stressed? <laughs> Tis the season to be stressed out. La 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 la. Isn't it? I like to say, tis the season to be gaudy, <laughs> but <clears throat> that's just me. Joy in the midst of stress. How is that even possible? Psalm 119, 143, as pressure and stress bear down on me, I find joy in your commands. Psalm 51, 8, oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me, now let me rejoice. Psalm 59, 16. But as for me, I will sing about your power. Each morning I will sing with joy about your unfailing love. You have been my refuge. A place of safety when I am in distress. My beloved friends, when you're in distress, turn to him. Turn to him. Open your Bible. I know everything, all the forces of hell want to keep you from reading your Bible. That is a guarantee. You have to fight that urge not to read your Bible. But if you really, truly believed, let's say, for example, someone came to you and said, um, there's a million dollars stuck behind that wall over there. So, see ya. Do you think you would sit there and go, well, I'll get around to it tomorrow? That's what the Bible says of itself that there are hidden treasures. It says in Proverbs, search for it as though you were searching for riches, as you were searching for rubies and gold. Search for it with diligence because that is where our answers come. Don't turn to another person and expect them to alleviate your distress. They cannot. As much as they might want to. Yes, we mourn with those who mourn. We comfort those who are afflicted. We do all those things. But ultimately, you will only find relief from your distress in your place of safety, in your refuge. And that's what the Lord has become for me more than ever before. This summer and this fall, as I, as I went through the Psalms over and over and over again, I mean, God met me in my distress. He met me there. And he can meet you in your distress. Psalm 119, 92. If your instructions hadn't sustained me with joy 
I would have died in my misery. Job 20, verse 5. The triumph of the wicked has been short-lived, and the joy of the godless, or in addition to that translation, hypocrite, the joy of the hypocrite has only been temporary. What this is saying is that those who don't know the Lord cannot experience the kind of joy that I'm talking about because the original Greek, and I know, okay, shut off. She's talking about a Greek. Check this out, though. This is so cool. The original Greek word for joy is chara, which is the same root as the word charis, which is grace. Do you get this? Do you get what this is? The same root. We can only have joy in the grace of God. We can only find joy if we have come to know him. And this is the good news. If you've never heard this before, this is the good news of great joy, which is for all people. So this is for you. This is the gospel, capital G gospel. All have sinned. All have fallen short of God's glory. Every single person has sinned. Can I get a witness? Nudge the person next to you. You too. Don't tell them what though. (laughs) We have all sinned. Every single one of us. We're all in the same situation. We have all sinned. And yet, God is a holy God. God is a perfect God. He's completely righteous. He cannot have wickedness in his presence. It doesn't sound like such good news so far, does it? But because of the great love, because God is perfect, and because God is love, he provided a way through sending his son to become a little tiny baby in a manger. Emmanuel, God with us, who grew up and never, ever, ever, ever sinned, ever. He never sinned. But he provided a way for us when he went to the cross and took the price, paid the price for all of our sins. His perfect blood, the blood that had never been merged with human blood. That perfect blood was poured out on the cross. And when we receive that forgiveness, the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, God Almighty, if you believe he is God, you will be saved. That is good news. And that is the same root as the word joy and grace. We can only understand this deep joy, this sense of everything I'm going for is for purpose. There is nothing that has slipped out of God's hands that will not Bring honor and glory to God. He will be glorified in all the earth. And it says in Psalm 68, 3, it says, Let the godly rejoice. Let them be glad in God's presence. Let them be filled with joy. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. That's good news, right? Don't you want to be one of those? He sets the lonely in families. That's like 
this family, like the adventure. We are meant to interact. We need each other. We have to be in each other's lives. We are linked to each other. That's why we, that's why we want you to go to a small group. It's not a control thing. It's we want you to go to a community group, a life group, or whatever, at somebody's house. So you get to know people. You're involved in their life. He sets the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. It says, but he makes the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. Rebellious is just those who don't know him, those who choose to reject the forgiveness that he has offered. And we can each understand what his joy really is when we surrender to his purposes and to his plans, and not fight against him. I have a couple of minutes left. Um, so I'm going to open it up for questions, just a couple of questions. If anybody has anything that they would like to ask, either about this subject or just don't ask me about the stock market or science. Or math. <laughs> Anybody have any questions? Well, it says <clears throat> in the word it says that we are supposed to be filled to overflowing. And you know, in the in the book of Acts when it talks about that um, that tongues of fire, it said that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, so much so that people thought that they were drunk, even though it was only nine o'clock in the morning. And you know, that's the prayer we should pray. We should cry out every single morning when we wake up. If you really want to experience that joy, you have got to be filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. It's like the scripture in Romans 5. It says, it says that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us, for God has poured his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. It's an act of the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. And if we are filled with the Holy Spirit, it should be an outpouring. It should flow out of us into joy. Amen? Again, there should be no such thing as grumpy Christian. If you're a Christian, you should not be grumpy. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to invite the Holy Spirit to fill you so that you can be full of joy. And especially at Christmas now, people are open. People are really open. They want to hear the gospel. How many of you feel like you know how to share the gospel right now? I just told you how. Remember? We've all sinned. We have a holy God. He's offered a way for us to be saved. It's a great message. Can you bring somebody to church this week, this next week? Bring somebody that needs the Lord. I'm telling you, people are so broken. On the outside, they want you to think that they're fine, but I promise you they're not fine. Is there anybody else? Any other questions? Uh, I thought I saw a hand over there. Nope. Nope. Oh, you guys are smart. I'm impressed. Okay, would you stand with me? Let's pray. 
I'm going to start doing this once in a while. At the end, I'm going to have questions. So don't try to, you know, it's not like stump the pastor kind of thing. It's like legit questions that may help everyone else. Like I don't want to get into some big theological debate. But, you know, if you have questions that come up either through what I'm saying or whatever. Um, Anyway, I love you guys. Can you hold your hands out as a sign that you want to receive this joy that we've talked about? Well, Lord, we come into your presence, Lord. Your word says that we will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth with singing. God, and we ask, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you would be lifted up in each one of our lives. Lord, we are um, each going through our own issues, Lord. Of course, no one knows our own bitterness. No one can share in our joy except you, Jesus. And so, Lord, in the midst of this season that can be so stressful and so sad and there's so much depression and suicide and all of that, Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we could be filled with joy. Lord, there would be evidence, Lord, that we would have the joy of the Lord that is our strength. Lord, I pray for each and every situation in this room, Lord, for those who are broken, those who are confused, those who are hurting, those who are mourning, those who are in pain. Lord, I pray that you would be their joy over Christmas, Lord, that we really could make Christmas great again for your name's sake, Lord. Just pray that you would be lifted up in our lives, Lord that you would um, show us that you are the place of safety, that you are our refuge in the midst of our distress. And I come against anxiety right now in the name of Jesus. I come against anxiety and strife. And I pray for your peace that goes beyond our understanding. And we lift up your name. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have never heard the gospel before or if you have never surrendered to the Lord, never received the forgiveness that he offers on the cross, wait, before you all leave, hold on, wait, stop, 30 more seconds and I'll be done. If you have never received that, I I just want you to come forward and talk with me. I'd be happy to talk with you about it. We'll have others up here that can talk to you too, but I know that the Lord wants to release a spirit of joy in this place. So next week, we're going to talk about the pathway to joy. So bring your friends, bring your enemies, bring your coworkers. God bless you guys. Merry Christmas.